Hey everyone, before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episodes live with us every Wednesday via Zoom. Check the link in our channel bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It is Wednesday once again, and it's time for Catalog and Cocktails. Just as a reminder, this is a honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management, and we usually have tasty beverages in hand, which we'll talk about in a second. I am Tim Gasper, Director of Product at Data.World and longtime data nerd, and I am joined by Juan Cicada. Good afternoon, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada, the Principal Scientist at Data.World, and always excited for our midweek break. How are you doing, yeah. Tim? I am doing excellent. I'm excited to, I actually haven't drank anything for about four days now, which usually I, I don't go that long with a drink, without a drink. Uh, and I decided to, to break that streak with a, uh, with a Pisco Punch. What, what are you drinking? I'm having something that should be called a Paloma. I have some, some uh, mezcal and a squirt and a little bit of lemon. There we go. Not the nice. full thing, but anyways, cheers. Oh, good. Cheers. Yeah, and if any, anyone's drinking at home, feel free to uh, to pop in the chat what, uh, what you're drinking there. Yeah, so uh, just as a reminder, we do this every Wednesday, 4 p.m. live central here. And we do this, um, we want to be able to go create our community. So please join us in our Slack community. You can go to slack.data.world where we're sharing every single episode and kind of takeaways. And please share us your comments through the chat. Where are you coming from? What are you drinking? And I think uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Just as a quick reminder, last week, we were having this conversation about data documentation, about uh, how this go fits in with your culture of data. And now I want to take a little bit of a, of a shift and talk about this other topic, which is landscape, the whole ecosystem. And if you follow the, every year, there is this big uh, 2000, I mean, 2020 data and AI landscape uh, by Matt Turk, you get first mark. And I think there's hundreds, hundreds of tools in there. And when you look at that, it's like, where the heck do I start? And I think that's just the conversation of today is like, why should we care? How do we start? Like, how do we navigate this? I don't want to call it a mess, but it is this big bunch of all these tools about data and AI. So yeah, it's kind of easy. Uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed, isn't it, right, Juan? Like you, you know, when we even just on our own, right? We we're we're a data catalog company, right? And even within the context of our own space, like the other day, I was putting together an ecosystem diagram. We were like, oh, let's really think about you know partnerships and who we should be working with. And I, uh, you know, I think there's probably like a hundred logos on that slide of like different adjacent spaces and potential partners and things like that. It's kind of nuts. So for, first question, why should we even care? I mean, there's a hundred of these different kind of tools out there. Why should we care about this big landscape? I think that's a great question, right? Because I mean, why, why even try to keep up with it, right? Um, I think one thing, first of all, right, just to kind of kick off that that part of the conversation is, well, you want to stay relevant, right? You want, you want to be able to keep your skills up to date. You want to know what's going on in the space, right? And it's evolving very quickly. So unless you're keeping up on it, it's going to be hard to uh, to stay up to date, right? It's easy to to fall back on things. Like, for example, I, I used to work at an AI and machine learning company 
I stopped paying attention to that space for a couple of years and already I feel like I'm, I'm woefully out of date. Right. And so it's the things, things move fast. So for sure. I think in, in there's different perspectives. So I think what before kind of Tim and I were preparing for this, we were thinking about what are the different angles that we can start, um, that we can look at the whole landscape. So first of all, so let's consider that you're starting fresh, right? You're, you're, you're a startup or, you're, or you have the possibility to start kind of from a, a completely, almost a clean slate. And I think when you, that's one way of looking at this landscape is understanding my, where do I come from is I'm starting from a clean slate. So if you do that, Tim, what are your thoughts? Like how, how should we look at this entire big data AI landscape if your starting point is from a fresh? Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great question. I mean, obviously, if you've been listening to our podcasts over the course of the last, you know, several, several, several weeks, I don't even know what number we're on anymore. What number are we on? We're on 26. Um, you know that we've talked a lot about business value and how you want to start with business value. And so obviously, today's conversation is going to come a little bit more from a technology angle, right? And, and just that's the big caveat, right? We won't continue to make that caveat. So technology-centric view I think one thing that's important to think about, and um, you know, some of the folks over at the data.world side, I think you'll agree with me, is that as we've built our own even data infrastructure, is taking sort of a data warehouse centric start point and a center point, right? Really thinking of the data warehouse as sort of your home where a lot of your data is going to live. And especially, I think now that um, the modern approaches to working with data has moved to much more of, you know, you've, for those of you that are pretty familiar with the ETL, uh, you know, the data space, you'll know about ETL, right? Extract, transform, load. That was sort of the previous paradigm in which a lot of sort of data work and data transforming and getting it in the shape that you need to kind of went. Um, but going forward, you know, there's much more of this ELT approach, extract, load, transform. What does that mean, right? That just means that we're going to load the data into the data warehouse in as raw a form as possible. And then we're going to refine it from there, right? And so you're going to have multiple different sort of versions of the data as you're refining it, as you're curating it, as you're making it better for analytics. And so I think because of this new paradigm, the data warehouse is kind of your home. It's kind of the starting point. And it's where from there you can start to curate those data assets, build out data products, and you start to think about what's the stuff to the left of the data warehouse, what's the stuff to the right of the data warehouse, that ends up being a pretty good way to start thinking about things from a very simplistic and sort of assumptive standpoint. And I think if, if you're starting fresh, it is the opportunity to think about this, the data-centric view of the world, right? You want to make yeah. sure that I'm, I'm starting to organize my data in a data lake warehouse or whatever, but I'm trying to model data that is connected to the end user's business model. The end user's point of view, their mental model. So that's kind of, you want to be able to go find those tools that can help me get there. Now, if we flip it on the other side, it's like, wait, I, I, I'm not in that privileged position that I can start from something fresh. I come from a big legacy, old school background, right? So um, how do you deal with that? Like, what are the, how can we, how can we look at this data and AI landscape knowing that I come from a very legacy uh, heavy uh, place? What are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's where you want to think about how to get, you know, um, high leverage, right? And where you can make more of a business impact and 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 think about the legacy situation and, and how can we bring in something that, um, you know, can start to evolve our infrastructure and make it more modern. And one of the things that I see is that when you're coming from that legacy perspective, like you look at that big 
uh, landscaping, or you'll see all these tools, but you will see the ones that you're that you're related to. Oh, I see Oracle, I see IBM, I see Informatica, and so forth. Right? These are kind of my legacy tools. Let's go see where they are in the map, and then let's go see what are the where do they show up in different places? Because you know what, I I probably am I'm known Informatica just as their ETL tool, but maybe they're offering some other things that I didn't know. And then you start looking at other tools around the tools that you're familiar with. So if you're looking at uh, at Oracle, you realize, oh wow, Oracle also shows up in the graph database world. What else is, so you learn about that type of stuff. Or you, you can see that uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see these other types of tools that show up in the ETL space when you probably were aware of Pentaho, but you did not, you were not aware of other, other types of tools out there. So I think that's another strategy to start looking at this is what am I familiar with and what's around it such that I can go kind of see other things I should be interested in looking into. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And a lot of times when you're working with different legacy vendors, you may have some deep relationships with some of these companies already. And then you have the opportunity to, you know, speak with your your customer representative or whatever, and they'll give you some ideas on how you could leverage their stack more effectively. But I think that one of the challenges, though, with a legacy environment, and this kind of leads us to the next uh, next kind of angle, is sometimes it's too much complexity or it's holding you back, right? And you've got this sort of legacy situation. And when you start thinking about sort of uh, digital transformation, modernization, it's like so daunting, right? There's so many layers of scar buildup and sort of cruft that seems like it's so impossible to dislodge. And so I think that when you look at this situation, you say, man, I think there's too much complexity. You know, you should also think about, uh, you know, understanding the data space, because a lot of times there are certain tools that are a little bit more aimed at being agile or being able to sit alongside or, you know, are sort of uh, a modern take that sits and, and accommodates nicely a traditional flow. So, for example, right, implementing a real-time architecture uh, to off to the side using maybe open source tooling next to your more legacy or batch-oriented infrastructure that maybe is more of an on-prem type infrastructure. So, you know, can you deploy something side by side and have something that is, you know, sort of the new, you know, more focused sort of pipeline? And I think the advantage of thinking about thinking about it that way is that you have a baseline to compare to. So you understand how things are being done in the legacy world and that complexity. And then you can put something aside and say, well, look, I can actually measure how much we're improving on so many different angles, not just on time, but on money, on resources and so, and so many different aspects. So I think that's one way of, 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 of approaching that. And the way to figure out what else is out there is like, well, let's look at the existing tools, my legacy tools and go to that landscape and see what's around it. And maybe I could go find something that, hey, it's more modern, but I don't want to disrupt that current flow. So I can put it on the side. There's a different approach that we're seeing uh, people do and just kind of our ideas too. Mm -hmm. Another aspect to look at it is just come on from a personal point of view, like, hey, I want to keep up to date with the latest tools and the late and 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 also depending on what my skill set is, right? And I think another topic we'll talk about in a second is on the personas. But if 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 you're if you're a data producer, for example, you're a data engineer and and, and you're just accustomed to doing, let's call it legacy old school, a bunch of ETL development, it's like, how are What's the modern way of doing this? And again, it's it, it's it's the approach is go find the tool that you're used to, see what's around there, and then think about what are what are the new who are the new kids on the block and and what's going on here. Yeah, I think that it's good to it's good to keep your skills up to date, right? And 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 the only way that you're going to do that, you know, you heard me mention earlier about 
being able to, um, you know, stay relevant is, is you want to build up your skills. You want to build up your, your, what you're capable of. Right. And so if you're in the ETL space, then maybe it's time to look at what's the next version of that, right? Are there some of these data ops tools going to be the right next thing for me to learn? If you're in the, you know, if you if you know how to use Tableau, are you looking at, you know, either, you know, JavaScript visualization, or are you looking at some of the next generation BI tools like ThoughtSpot and that kind of thing? You know, these are the kinds of things you can start to think about. Um, and I think that there's two other quick topics we want to hit before we talk more about the tools themselves. Uh, the first of these is another angle to look at this is a governance angle, right? If you're trying to govern all the tools that are in this ecosystem, the legacy, the modern, the cloud, the on-prem, you know, it, it matters in terms of how you actually can apply governance tools and methodologies to those things. So for example, like if lineage matters a lot, then you know, you're gonna think a lot about ETL tooling and sort of the data pipelines and how things are being transformed. If dashboards and analysis matter a lot from your governance perspective, then you're gonna to wanna to pay attention a lot to the data warehouse and the BI tool space. Um, if definitions and glossaries and those types of things matter a lot, then maybe things like BI and catalog and master data management start to really come to play. And so, you know, you really have to make some decisions about, you know, where are we focused and are we using the right tools? Because not only does it matter what use case you're trying to solve, but if you're using maybe newer or more obscure tools, you know, maybe those things aren't well supported by governance tools yet, right? A lot of times these metadata tools, these catalog tools, um, you know, they don't, they don't like grab onto the new tools quickly enough, right? And you want to make sure that you're choosing a tool that, uh, that uh, accommodates these new technologies uh, easily. And then I think the other big topic we have to talk about, obviously, is AI and machine learning, right? So there's all these different tools out there. And the question is, First of all, let's think about what's the actual data that you're feeding to these AI and ML tools? I mean, I mean, it's not just magic. You got to give it data. So also, let's understand what is your ecosystem to put data into those tools. And then another aspect to start considering, too, are do you need external data for that? And right, and now we're starting to go see a lot. I mean, I was very happily surprised in, this, in the 2020 data AI landscape that they had this entire data marketplace and discovery uh, 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 space for that. I think that's something that's going to be growing too. That's one aspect to do. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's do, is this something that I have to go build on my own, which has been kind of the, 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 the MO, the status quo up to now, right? I need to go uh, TensorFlow and, and build up all my, my tooling around it. Or should are there existing tools off the shelf kind of solutions that use AI machine learning for it? So I think this is one of the trade-offs when we start looking into is when I look at the landscape, do I want to really build it and own it? Or are there existing solutions out there that uses already the AI and the ML? Yeah, and depending on how you're approaching that question, you may choose tools that you know that that vendor has a strong strategy for how AI and ML and knowledge graph fit into it. Versus if you're kind of doing a DIY approach, you've got your own sort of AI labs team, then maybe you're looking for things that have open APIs and things like that, and you can grab that data easily. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot to think of there. And, and just one quick example, we have one customer that, you know, is developing some of their own AI and, you know, they're looking at external data vendors to figure out where they can get a bunch of like smart meter data and that kind of thing, right? And so that those kinds of questions, these types of use cases require a lot of thinking about how the ecosystem is going to accommodate, you know, your use case and the way that you're trying to apply data for these types of engines. So let's talk a little bit about 
how we could different ways of slicing and dicing um, the the entire this landscape and if uh, the actual way that that this landscape was organized was based on kind of infrastructure analytics and machine intelligence uh, applications and then open source uh, and data sources those were like the high level topics and within infrastructure they have storage who do data lakes data warehouses and, and underneath analytics they had bi platforms machine learning data science platforms data science notebooks computer vision horizontal ai speech search yada yada, yada. i can continue but what are different ways of viewing this? What are the different angles? And I think that that's something that we were talking before about that. Um, so you kick it off, Tim. What, what's what's the first way of looking, a different way of slicing and dicing this? Yeah, sure. So I, I think that's that's a great segue, Juan. And I, I think we didn't want to necessarily just go and rattle off a bunch of uh, categories of technology. We wanted to kind of look at it more from what's your angle? You know, that's maybe that's the word of today. Today's word is angle. Um, so the first angle is producers versus consumers, right? There are systems that are producing data that are, are, are making, you know, uh, the sort of the original, representing the original capture of these things. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to use the phrase like systems of record, right? These are the things that are more upstream. And then, you know, you might also in the, the sort of category of producers put some of the tools that are a little more oriented around the initial refinement. So capture refinement and delivery of these different pieces of data. And so, you know, that pipeline, you know, represents things like ETL tools, data transformation tools, you know, like canonical example, your Informatica's of the world, your um, Oracle or IBM type, you know, solutions, uh, uh, data stage and things like that. Um, but obviously, there's more modern tools that we'll talk about in, in, in some categories that we'll talk about here. But those are your sort of your transformation your integration tools. And then you have things that are very integration adjacent, things like data quality, for example, right? Is, is, the, is the integration pipeline working well? Are the metrics showing up on a consistent basis? Um, do, uh, you know, isn't there, is there not all of a sudden a big proliferation of nulls, right? So this is all producer centric, right? But then we have consumer centric, right? So you deliver that data somewhere. You heard us mention about like the data warehouse being often a canonical hub where that data is going to live. The things that are consuming are that are going to be, in some cases, applications, right? When you're building up these different applications that are helping with in the insurance industry, for example, like managing your policy, managing your claims, they need to consume this data to help you make good decisions about those types of things. Or it can be more horizontal things like BI tools, things that you want to use to query that data, create charts and graphs and help to, to power better decision making. So I think an another way of thinking about it is I need, what are the tools to go manage my data? And then what are tools that are going to do something with that data that do take some action to it? So when you think about it, managing data are storage tools, right? My data lakes, my data warehouses, my databases, no, no, no SQL, new SQL. So all those types of tools that fits in that that's one way of seeing uh, that landscape. And then I got to go do something with my data. So then you're like, well, do I need to do some machine learning with my data? Am I doing something with speech or just BI visualization, any type of data science? So I think different angles is Am I managing my data? Is that what I'm focusing on? Or I'm going to have to do something with my data? So you can then separate that landscape into those two different aspects too. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, uh, and, and another angle by which to look at it, kind of similar to manage and do, is actually metadata versus data. 
And, you know, obviously data dot world's a catalog, right? So we kind of think of ourselves as being in the metadata layer, although we, we have some unique capabilities that let us do some data management oriented stuff. So you got things like catalog, which sit in the metadata space, and then things like glossary, governance, uh, lineage, uh, you know, where, where did things start from and where are they going? Uh, quality, privacy, and security. These are all sort of meta aspects that are data about data. And then you've got, obviously, data, right? Your databases, your file systems, your ETL, your data lakes, your data warehouses, um, analytics, BI. And, you know, one that's a little bit weird, it's hard to categorize, is actually master data management, which is definitely more data oriented, but it has a lot of meta concepts in it because you're thinking about entity resolution, you're thinking about, you know, matching and, and merging. And, and, you know, there's a lot of meta concepts that come into play there, which is interesting because I think that's where, um, you know, you get a little bit of overlap. So then another aspect is to look at it from, are these applications, applications that are generic it can be used for any type of industry or these are applications that are industry specific so kind of from a technical point of view like all your database systems they can be very they're generic your bi tools can be very generic too right but then you can go into uh i mean like hubspot or salesforce like every regardless of your of your industry, you're, you want to, you're going to need some type of CRM tool and so forth. So you'll have all those different tools that you say, well, is this a tool that is generic that applies for different industries? And yeah, even though these generic tools will have kind of industry focuses, but they're applied for particular, they're used in general. Now, another way of seeing it is, no, I'm looking for something that's very industry specific, right? These are either like specific SaaS tools or just software applications that are being used for particular industries, right? If you're uh, you're doing an e-commerce, there's going to be specific uh, management systems like Magento and stuff for order management systems. You're looking, uh, Guidewire is a popular policy and claim systems for insurance, right? So there's really very specific systems that you say, hey, I could use a generic tool uh, that can do this, but maybe there is an industry-specific tool for the particular aspect I'm looking to. So again, another way of thinking about it, right? Looking at generic tools or, or industry-specific tools. Yeah. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so we talked about a, a few different categories here. Um, another one is around sort of like what's cool versus what's sort of run of the mill or a table stake. So obviously things like databases, data warehouses, BI, data integration, these are kind of table stakes, right? A lot of times, no matter where you go, you're going to see some flavor of this. And within that category, there might be some cooler or newer vendors, but the technology is tried and true, right? Snowflake, they're cool, they're in the cloud, they're SaaS, right? But it's it's uh, it's a data warehouse, right? It's something we're, we're very familiar with. Um, but then there's a lot of the cool stuff, right? And so the cool stuff is like graph databases, right? Obviously they've been around for a while, but a lot of the use cases where they're being used are, uh, are, are, are pretty innovative. Um, things like computer vision, speech, uh, you know, things that are on sort of the uh, the AI sort of front edge, right? Um, things like data ops, right? Taking like code-driven approaches to doing data operations and data management. I think that's definitely growing in sort of its uh, uh, sexiness, right? Data engineer is the new data scientist. Um, and then things like search or natural language BI, things like ThoughtSpot, things like Sisu data. If you guys have never seen Sisu data before, they're very interesting. Sort of uh, taking a very sort of um, uh, proactive and sort of alert-centric view to business intelligence. Now, another one that we can't, uh, we have to uh, mention here is talking about open source versus commercial. I think that's another almost easy way of kind of like looking for um, slicing and dicing the, the landscape, right? Are you looking for open source things like 
database is looking for Postgres, maybe Kafka, right? Or, or now DBT, which is one of the really cool things that are coming out. But then you also have a lot of these new tools like Fivetran and Looker, right? I think this is another balance of how we're starting to see if I want to go do things, build versus buy. That's, a, that's one of the other, fr frankly, one of the things that you want to look into. Open source is more like I'm experimenting, uh, but maybe I need to go build. Um, well, commercially, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go build this and maintain it myself. I want to be able just to go buy solutions. But a lot of these things also kind of looking at the open source is not just about building, but it's also like, let me go try this out. And especially when people are looking at the, the latest, coolest things too, right? As you can imagine, these different kind of angles of slicing and dicing start to compare, right? I want to look for open source, cool things. And that may I'll find a lot of the AI machine learning kind of features, right? TensorFlow, right? All that stuff may, may fall in that category when you start combining them. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, what's interesting is where some of these things bleed into each other. Like, for example, like DBT is open source for doing sort of code-driven SQL-based uh, transformation. And then Fivetran is a cloud-based, you know, pay-by-the-drink sort of um, ETL tool. Um, Fivetran actually now supports DBT as one of its configurations. So it's interesting how sometimes open source and commercial, especially usage-driven commercial, are actually intersecting in very interesting ways. Um, and that leads us to another, which is on-prem versus cloud versus sort of SaaS, right? And obviously, a lot of folks are starting to move to more of the cloud and SaaS models, but you've got plenty of ways to slice the industry, the ecosystem around sort of on-prem, which might be, for example, something like a Teradata or an Oracle or Informatica. You know, Informatica has some cloud offerings now, so does Oracle, but the primary way these folks are using those platforms often still tends to be more of the on-prem edition. You got your cloud tools, right? Especially like AWS and Azure <clears throat> have invested a lot in sort of built-in platform as a service, things like Kinesis and Redshift and, and the Azure side, Data Factory, Synapse. These are all sort of cloud-first, cloud-centric ways to uh, being able to provide these services. And then SaaS, right? Like Data.World, for example, is a SaaS data catalog. Fivetran is a SaaS ETL tool. I think the, and the final one that we were looking into is it's really just old school versus new school. And by old school, we mean what, people, what we've been doing 10, 15 years ago that we still do today, right? We'll create a data warehouse, we'll use our traditional ETL tools. I would consider data lakes now old school, Hadoop and MapReduce, all that stuff old school. But now we have like our, our, our new schools, right? It's not ETL anymore, it's ELT, right? We're now starting to see all these really, uh, these new data ops tools. Uh, the next generation of, of, of data warehouses, which are data warehouses, SaaS, like uh, Snowflake. So I think that's another different way of looking at this stuff is like, if I'm coming from the legacy role, like I'll be very familiar with the old school. And once you'll find those tools that you're familiar with from the legacy, you'll see these new tools around there. And then you can start comparing and contrasting on old school versus new school. Yeah, I think, I think that's a... So obviously, we, we, we talked a lot about some different frames here, old school versus new school, which Juan just mentioned, sort of open source versus commercial, on-prem cloud SaaS, table stakes versus cool, you know, managing versus doing, metadata versus data, and a few other paradigms. And so hopefully this provides a little bit of a way to think about how, you know, there's, there's sort of the old ways of doing things, the new ways of doing things. And, and some other ways of sort of slicing and dicing this industry to think about not just the traditional ways that these spaces are described, but some other ways to kind of slice it. 
And I know we kind of want to end here, Juan, on talking a little bit about some of the big trends that we're seeing, right? And, you know, I'll start off with that is that obviously we're seeing a big migration to cloud and SaaS, like I mentioned, right? The adoption of tools like uh, Snowflake for, um, you know, data warehouse, things like Fivetran for, um, for sort of data ETL. Um, these things are growing like a weed right now. And not only that, but, you know, people are migrating a lot of their more legacy workloads to uh, AWS and Azure as well. I kind of, uh, you know, close one eye when I think about that aspect of it, because I think a lot of those migrations are a little bit more like, legacy running in my data center to legacy running in AWS. And it's not so much the reinvention that it should be or could be, but you know, this is all, this is all movement in the right direction. Exactly. I think and that's the continuum that we're going to start seeing is like, Oh, we're, we're cloud, right. Or we're, we're SAS quote unquote. No, you're just running your legacy stuff on the cloud, but you know what? You need to do that. You need to get comfortable with that. You need to understand the processes, the policies behind it. That's fine. You're not ready to go do some SaaS stuff, so I think that's going to that's going to go uh, happen next, right? So people are comfortable getting to the cloud. People are already super comfortable doing SaaS, right? Using Snowflake, using Fivetran, using Data World, and so forth. Yep. I think the other big trend that we're now seeing is agile data governance, right? It, we we all know like data governance is we need to think about data governance not just as the a brake which helps me drive slow. No, the brakes help me drive fast safely. But also think about it being agile. And we've had a lot of conversations about how we really are agile. What are the teams? How do you create teams? What are the processes? Last week, we talked about data documentation, all these different aspects. So being, being agile in your data governance is that big trend that we're seeing. Yeah, 100% agree. And, and I, I think one other trend, there's a bunch of trends, right? But like one other trend that we'll, we'll note here, and then we can talk more in the sort of the follow-up conversation, is around agile data operations or data ops, right? We definitely see a ton of folks sort of adopting a lot of the best practices from the DevOps realm and then translating those into things in the, in the data realm. And so just to give one, uh, one example or two examples I'll give, actually. One is a company called Great Expectations. They're very interesting. Check them out. They're an example of a company that's doing, you know, you've heard of sort of test-driven uh, development. They're kind of doing like test-driven data quality. So that's an interesting company to look at. There's a few other companies, Toro Data, Monte Carlo Data, a few others that are doing very interesting things as well along a sort of a similar vein, but they have their own unique angles. Uh, and then one other is look at something like DBT. We see DBT growing like crazy. So that that's that, that's pushed by a company called Fishtown Analytics, getdbt.com. And uh, they just announced, uh, I think it was today, or maybe it was yesterday, a $29.5 million Series B. So this just shows to show a lot of the momentum here. You know, configuration is code. Yeah, like things like Terraform and Ansible, those things have become really popular. CI, CD type tools getting really popular. Now that all of that revolution had, that has revolutionized the software side, it's coming to the data side as well. And one more thing I'm going to add there is we're all the whole AI and ML uh, kind of fun. Everybody wants to go do this, but people are doing it. And I think the trend we're going to go see is we're going to have more of these off-the-shelf solutions that are going to do that work for you. So another company I've been really tracking of is Sisu Data. Their are folks who are doing a lot of cool things about analytics, but taking it to the next level. So uh, let's wrap up your takeaways. Yeah, so takeaways. Uh, first thing, more of a, a, a personal recommendation, right? 
learn something new. If you heard something that we talked about today that caught your interest, whether it's DBT or Fivetran or one of these new testing tools, or uh, maybe it's uh, you know an open source BI tool or something like that, try it out. Like what I love is so many of these new technologies. You can just go to their site and you can literally download it. They have great quick start guides. Like try it out and 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 learn a new skill. Sometimes you can do it in a weekend, right? So pick something, try it. Uh, and the one other thing is I'll say is that there's, there's so much stuff out there. Like it's, it's ridiculous how many, how many different vendors and technologies are in the ecosystem. Um, you know, think about what, um, you know, you want to work with. that's going to make a lot of sense for your own situation, your own infrastructure, right? We talked about a lot of different angles by which to look at things and, uh, pick what makes sense. And, and what about you, Juan? So one is, Obviously, start with, you know what you're familiar with, go find what you're familiar with and go see things around it and be skeptical, right? It's like, well, you're really saying you can go do this. Let's go try it out. It goes back to your point that you're saying, like learn something new. But yeah, I think go find something you're interested in that you already know about and see other tools around it. And then that's how you can start to learn about that. And a final takeaway, I think, is this discussion really shows that we're an honest, no BS uh, uh, right, non-salesy conversation about data. I mean, we did mention data.world, but we mentioned a bunch of other products too here. And I think that's the whole spirit of it is that there's just so much stuff out there. There is not one silver bullet. You will not one find, you will not have one tool, one company that will solve the whole problem for you. It is going to be about an ecosystem. So you really need to go think about how am I going to build an ecosystem and how am I going to go have all these things connect? You really need to go plan for the future. And for that, you need to be flexible and emphasize in an open ecosystem. With that, more. cheers, Tim. Cheers to you, Juan. And cheers to everyone who's attending. And uh, we'll go ahead and call that a wrap. Awesome. Awesome.